Would you like to retire with enough? My name is Peter Guidry, and I am the host of the Retiring with Enough podcast. In today's podcast, I'll explore the challenges of self-employment. Is it really that hard to start a new business? Michelle Jacobic says that becoming our own boss means more than just sacrifice. It means having clarity around who we are, what we want, and where we're going, and then actually creating it. Since the consolidation of the 13 colonies into the United States of America, one of the components of the American dream has been business ownership. Starting, owning, and managing a business has been considered a sign of success and accomplishment. In the last couple of months, I've had several requests to create a blog and a podcast about the rewards and challenges of startups. I started, owned, and managed a solo dental practice for over 35 years, and so I've experienced firsthand most of the rewards and all of the problems that are a part and parcel of self-employment. I also had the chance recently to consult with a friend about a startup, and in speaking with this person, I immediately realized the business was destined for an uphill battle to survive. The business hadn't opened yet, and my assessment gave it less than a 20% chance of survival. So how could I quickly determine that this new business, which I'm going to name Business A, was destined for problems, and what was my mental checklist for this startup? Let's find out. When I started my own business, that was one of the scariest and one of the most exciting times of my life. I was in a comfortable position as an associate dentist. I was making money and really had almost no stress and had no management responsibilities. Did I really want to trade up the safety, salary, and security of my associate position for the uncertainty of a new practice startup? It was literally three weeks of very little sleep before I decided to open up and start my own dental practice. But once the decision was made, I really experienced an unexpected calmness. Because instead of trying to decide whether or not to do it, I then shifted my focus from decision-making to the steps necessary to open my practice and get from point A to point B. Believe me when I tell you there were many, many steps indeed. But instead of recreating the laundry list that I needed for my startup, I'll contrast and compare this new business, Business A, to the business that I created, explaining the relevance of each bullet point. It'll also be important to note that when I started my practice, I already had two years of business experience as an associate in an existing dental practice. The potential owner for Business A has no previous experience as a business owner, and all of Business Owner A's previous work experience was as an employee of a different business in a field unrelated to Business A. So in general order of importance, they are, number one, having a good idea, concept, or a skill. The starting point for any new business is an idea or a concept. Is the business idea new, or will the business mirror an existing business? Does the potential owner have a unique or special skill? 
One of the luxuries of practicing dentistry is that the entry portal is very limited. Before opening a dental practice, the owner must successfully navigate grade school, high school, college, and dental school. After successfully completing dental school, the graduate must then complete a comprehensive licensing examination. This means that each dentist has unique skills and limited competition. Actually, the failure rate for dental practices is less than 1%. Business A, in contrast, is entering an existing field and will be providing no innovative ideas or products. The one bright spot is a good location for business A. Second, only to coming up with a business idea or business type is having a formal written business plan. A formal written business plan is usually necessary to secure a commercial loan. A formal business plan is also the first step in taking an idea or concept and beginning the framework for an actual business. If the business is going to mirror an existing business, what better or what different product type or service will the new business provide? How is it going to be different? How is it going to stand out? In what manner and in what form will the product or service be provided? How much money will the business be expected to make annually? How long before the business will generate a profit? Other than bank funding, are there any other funding sources? The answers to all of these questions are relevant and necessary when starting a new business. I was personally very fortunate that I didn't have to provide a formal business plan as part of my commercial loan process. Because the failure rate for dental practices is so low, less than 1%, the underwriting scrutiny for dental practice loans is much less strenuous. In contrast, restaurants, bars, and food service industries like Business A have a failure rate of approximately 80%. This means that only one in five survives long term. Due to this poor success rate, banks are much more hesitant to lend money and underwriting requirements are much stricter. Having a written and formal business plan shows that you are a serious business applicant. Having a break-even analysis and profitable date. Two information sets have been combined. A break-even analysis lists all monthly fixed and variable costs to produce a monthly debt load. More simply stated, how much money will be needed to pay monthly bills. A profitable date means creating a reasonable projection for future monthly income and a future date when the business will generate more income than debt load. In other words, when the business will make a profit. Business A has no idea about overhead, nor does the owner have any idea about profitability data. I had two years as an associate in an established dental practice before opening my own practice, and I had a solid projection on both overhead expenses and profitability date before opening my practice. It's important to surround yourself with a good team of professionals because having a good team of professionals can assist with business planning, and that's crucial. A short list of professionals should include an attorney, a CPA, certified public accountant, a banking professional, a realtor specializing in commercial property, a financial and business planner, 
and someone in the business community who can act as a mentor. I'm unsure about business A, but when I established my solo practice, I already had an attorney, CPA, banking, real estate professional, and a mentor on my team. You'll need a business financial account and a business credit card. Both the dedicated business account and business credit card speak to the need to separate personal income and expenditures from business income and expenditures. Many beginning business owners don't understand the need to keep business and personal expenses separate. Having a dedicated financial account and credit card makes the separation of business and personal expenses easier. Business Corporate Structure Although business structure is not written in stone, it's a lot easier to start a business and maintain the same type of corporate structure than it is to change the corporate structure of an existing business. Different types of business structures may include sole proprietorship, limited liability companies, LLCs, and different corporate structures such as an C-Corp, an S-Corp, a B-Corp, and nonprofit corporations. Again, I'm unsure about business A, but I started my practice as a solo practitioner and eventually transitioned into an LLC status. Establishing a business name in today's business environment means in its earliest stages that you'll need to check domain names that are available and LLC names that are available. Business names make a difference. Major corporations spend a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of effort in creating the optimal corporate identity. A business name should say something about the business's product, identity, or corporate position. Businesses fiercely guard their names and business identities, with many business names and logos being trademark and patent protected. A new business should verify that the new business name does not infringe on the name or identity of an existing business. Domain and corporate names for the business should be verified to be available and then secured. Business A will be using a name that is partially descriptive of his business type, but it's also a little confusing. My business name was my name followed by the designation of general dentist, which was straightforward. Business location is very important. Businesses that require a physical location will need to find and secure a business location before opening the business. Business A will require a physical location and has done a great job with that location selection. The business is located on a very busy street with a very high traffic count and associated increased visibility. My dental practice was located in a medical center complex, which also enhanced visibility and my professional status. Licenses and permits. Depending on the type and scope of the business, many types of licenses and permits may be needed. Most municipalities have occupational license requirements that are paid on an annual basis. New businesses may have to satisfy zoning regulations may need special permits for certain business types, and may need a liquor license if alcohol is served on the premises. Insurance Policies 
Because I worked as an associate for approximately two years, I had already procured needed insurances like dental malpractice, life, and medical insurance. When I opened my practice, I had to purchase several additional policies, such as general liability, general business, overhead protection, disability, and workman's compensation insurance. I certainly hope Business A purchases the necessary insurance policies and provides adequate coverage. Being underinsured is just about as bad as having no insurance at all. During the startup process, most new business owners don't realize how much and how many different types of insurance are needed. A good general insurance agent can provide the needed expertise and knowledge in an area that most of us are unfamiliar with when we're starting a new business. Business software is another hot-button item. Most software providers bundle business software to provide all-inclusive solutions for accounting, staffing, tax, business, and business tracking, etc. EINs, your employer identification number. This seems to be a minor concern, but it's very relevant and needed for payment of employer-related taxes. As an associate dentist, I didn't need an EIN, but as soon as I started my own dental practice, one of the first things I did was apply for my own employer identification number. An online and social media presence is almost imperative in today's business environment. According to a report from HitWise, nearly 60% of all online searches are now carried out on a mobile device with some sectors, such as food and beverage, reaching 72%. A new business owner has to understand and be prepared to pay business and employee taxes. Employees have Social Security and Medicare taxes automatically deducted from paychecks. The taxes paid directly by employees represent one-half of the assessed Social Taxes as the employer pays the other half. Once you become the employer, you're now responsible for half of the Medicare and Social Security taxes paid by your employees, and additionally, you're responsible for all of the Medicare and Social Security taxes that you owe personally. It's ultimately very important that you hire the right employees. Even though this particular subject is appearing later in the podcast, it's really high in overall importance. In my dental practice, new patients usually interacted with two or three staff members before they met me personally. These staff members created an initial impression of my practice, and they also set the tone for my interaction with the patient. In most businesses, staff represent the tone and philosophy of the business. Any employee who doesn't properly portray a business is a negative force, and that's going to inhibit growth and success. Knowing your competition. My dental practice never competed against other practices. My staff was aware that we always competed with ourselves to make our practice the best practice possible. But at the same time, it's also important to be aware of what similar businesses are providing, selling, or creating in order to elevate your own business. 
Business A has done no pre-opening analysis of his competition and has no business plan to elevate his business. Creating a marketing plan. A marketing plan is a companion to knowing your competition. A marketing plan is a written summary of how your business will differ from other businesses and how these differences will be communicated to potential clients or customers. Having a soft opening. Many businesses will do a soft opening where all staff and management are present and serve only a limited number of clients or customers. Soft openings provide actual working conditions and provide clarity about staff, service, or functional problems. With soft openings, new businesses can address and correct operational problems before the business is functionally 100%. When fully functional, clients or customers benefit from refined systems and services that are a result of soft opening analyses. If the items that I've just discussed indicate anything, it's that starting a business is not a simple or easy task. But the things that I've discussed, although they're not all-inclusive, mean that starting a business can be divided into a series of orderly steps that minimize stress and uncertainty that's associated with the beginning of a new and unfamiliar enterprise. Even with two years of experience in my chosen field, the process of starting, funding, staffing, and operating a new dental practice was a pretty daunting task. To be successful, a new business requires dedication, commitment, and many, many focused hours of hard work. In many cases, like in my own situation, the owner must initially manage and provide services for the business. The small business owner must initially wear the hat of owner, manager, and service provider. In many cases, once the business is established and successful, the owner has the option to transfer some of the business's responsibilities to managers and staff members. So will business A survive? Statistically, Business A has a 20% chance of surviving. Unfortunately, because Business A hasn't really satisfied a lot of the items that we spoke about above, I would place the long-term chance of success even lower than 20% for Business A. This is one of those situations where I truly hope I'm proven wrong. And now for some final thoughts. Many people want to start a new business, but most people don't realize the ramifications of what that involves. Generally, new businesses have a survival rate of approximately 20%. Every new business begins with an idea or a concept. Proceeding from an idea to an actual business requires many intermediate steps that must be successfully completed to afford the greatest chance for survival. Virtual businesses require no physical location and fewer steps to proceed from idea to business. And lastly, no business will be successful without dedication, commitment, and hard work. I realized recently that it's been almost two years since I started retiring with enough. So we'll use this opportunity to do a retrospective look back at retiring with enough. And we'll take a fresh look at each of the three legs of the retiring with enough three-legged stool. 
And as always, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. And if you want to partake in an online conversation, be sure to search for the Retiring with Enough group on Facebook. Thanks. The information and opinions contained on this podcast are for general education and are considered general communications. Information on the podcast was obtained from various sources, and Retiring with Enough does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information presented. Retiring with Enough strongly recommends that you perform your own independent research and or speak with a qualified investment professional, legal advisor, or tax professional before making any financial decisions. The information and opinions expressed should not be construed as financial planning and does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person, nor does it constitute an offer to buy or sell securities.